Hello, and welcome to the Jubilee Church Podcast. Jubilee Church exists to help all people know God, find family, discover purpose, and make a difference. If you would like to learn more or connect with us, please visit our website at jubileestl.org. Hey everyone, again, it's so good uh, to be with you today as we continue in our sermon series, Assembled, where we're looking at the importance and the value that God puts on community. And uh, one of the things I've been, uh, I don't, uh, I've been thinking about lately is just some of the new activities my family has tried. Don't know what kind of family activities or things that you engage with, with your friends, but uh, one of our new ventures is puzzles. Don't know if there's any puzzle people out there. I feel... I feel a little nerdy saying that, but it's true. We've, we've, we've ventured into the world of puzzles and, uh, and I have realized, I didn't realize this before, but when we started, I realized that one of the purposes in my life is to defeat the puzzle. Uh, that's something that I was made to do. And, and when working on a puzzle, there are moments of stress and searching followed by relief and, and rejoicing when you find that one piece. Because uh, somehow, and I don't know how they do this, in, the, in, the, in a sea of of hundreds and hundreds of pieces, they have found a way to make pieces look the same, but be so slightly nuanced that there's only one piece that fits that perfect place that connects those four other pieces uh, together. And uh, the truth is that sometimes life can feel like that. Life can feel like we are a puzzle piece trying to find where we fit. Life can be a series of events where we are trying to find where we connect, where we belong, and how we fit into the bigger picture of things. And here's what's true about all of us. There is a longing in each and every one of us to find the place that we belong. There is a longing within each and every one of us to find the place where we fit in, where we are accepted, and where we are loved. And sometimes we're not aware of that, even though I truly believe that every single one of us has that shared longing. Sometimes we uh, don't pay attention to it or aren't aware of that need, but what we are always aware of is where we don't belong, right? Those moments where we don't fit in, where we feel like we are on the outside. And this is why uh, the first time we do something is where uh, is always the hardest time. When we start a new job, when we start a new, a new school, when, you, when we move to a new neighborhood, uh, the first moment is always, that first month, that first year, it's always the hardest transition because we feel out of place and we feel out of sorts. Researchers and sociologists are discovering this dynamic, this longing within us more and more. Author and Harvard researcher Robert Putnam found that if you belong to no groups, if you don't belong anywhere, if you belong to no groups, but decide to join one, and this is not, this isn't, this isn't Christian knowledge, this is just groups, this is just group life. Having somewhere that you belong, he says, if, if you belong to no groups, but decide to join one, you cut your risk of dying the next year and a half. One famous study found that group connected people with unhealthy habits like smoking, poor diet and heavy drinking consistently outlive disconnected people with otherwise healthy lifestyle habits. This need, this, this longing to be connected and to belong somewhere is like woven into the very essence of who we are. 
And Peter, a disciple of Jesus, writes a letter to Christians who are in exile, who have been alienated from their homes and displaced and they're suffering and they're now finding themselves in new situ situations where, where they're scattered. They're struggling to know where they fit. What was familiar to them was lost. The places they once belonged, the places where they once were accepted, they're now facing rejection. And this is the pain and the difficulty that Peter is writing into, and this is what he says. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As you come to him, we can't miss these five words because everything that follows is contingent on this happening. As you come to him, as you follow Jesus, as you love Jesus, as you want to be like Jesus, the living stone, he is the rock. It's, it describes him later on in this passage as the cornerstone. He, he is, the, the cornerstone is the piece of the structure that everything else is built upon. It's the thing that makes everything else stable. It's the thing that every, all the weight of everything else rest. Jesus is the cornerstone. And Peter says, as we come to him, as we come to him. And so one of the questions right out of the gate we want to ask ourselves is, are we dependent on Jesus? Are we, are we building a life where Jesus is the cornerstone? Are we following him? Are we thinking about him? Are we wanting to become more and more like him. And if he is, if we are saying, yes, amen, Jesus is our cornerstone. Jesus is who we want to draw near to. Peter says this, he says, if he is, then, then he says, this inevitably happens. As we come to him, something else is going to happen that has massive implications for our life. And it's a, it's a profound and powerful statement that we need to sit with, we need to wrestle with, and we need to consider. It's because of statements that Peter is about to make that I'm gonna read that is why community groups are so very important to us. He says, as you come to him, the living stone, you yourselves like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house. Peter is saying, as this happens, then this happens. As you draw near to Jesus, you are being built into a spiritual house. One is not happening without the other. Think about that. If that's true, if, if what Peter is writing is true, if as we get closer to Jesus, we at the same time, he's saying, are being built into a spiritual house. We are stones being built one on top of another. And here's another way of thinking about what Peter is saying. Peter is saying that if we are following Jesus, then we will be deepening in our relationships with one another. Or how about this? Think about it from the opposite side. If we are not deepening in our relationships with one another, we are not drawing closer to Jesus. This is a profound statement for Peter to make, especially in the West, especially in America, where we value, we highly value our independence, our rights, our personal space, our comfort. We value our comfort so very, very, very much. 
But if the Bible is true, if Peter is correct, and the people of God are like living stones being built together, that means we are created. We have been created to belong to one another, to be stacked one on top of another, interdependent, interconnected, relying on the stones and the lives that are, that are, be, uh, that are below us and, and, and supporting those who are above us. This is the picture and the imagery that Peter is giving to the church. Not valuing the most, not valuing the most our rights, our personal space or our comfort, rather giving up, laying down those things for the sake of being a part of a community of believers so that we might better put on display who God is. Jesus had all power and he emptied himself. He had every right and he laid it down. He was better than everyone and yet he took the lowest position. If we are saying we want to become more and more and more like Jesus, this is who Jesus was. This is what he did. This is what we are to become more like. Is he our cornerstone? And this is what it says about those who came to faith and even committed to following Jesus in the book of Acts. So, so following Jesus's resurrection and ascension, he, you know, he releases his disciples into the world to, to make disciples and they're filled with the spirit and all this amazing stuff happens in the book of Acts and the disciples are preaching the gospel. They're telling people the good news of Jesus. And, and in the book of Acts, this is what it says about those who came to faith in Jesus. Those who said, I want to follow him. I want to become like him. This is how it describes the church. It says that all who came to faith, that all who committed, they had one heart and one soul. No one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. There was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. They they took what they had acquired, achieved, attained to, and they gave it all away for the sake of others. The outworking of Jesus becoming the most important thing in our life and who we want to be like is a shared life with others. As we come to him, the living stone, the most, uh, the, the, as we come to the living stone, we are living stones. We are being built into a spiritual house. So here's a question. What does your life look like with others? If we use this as a litmus test to like where our cornerstone lies and what we are drawing near to, what does our life look like with others? How are you sharing your life with others? Who knows what's happening in your life right now? Who knows what you're struggling with, what you're passionate about? Who knows you well enough to know what you're dreaming about 10 years from now? Or who knows you well enough to know that you don't have any dreams and you're just trying to get through the moment. You're just trying to get through the next hour. Who, who are you sharing your life with? Who have you invited in into your decisions about this, you know, about possibly moving schools or moving jobs or moving neighborhoods or moving to another city? What voices are you inviting into your shared life? Who are you sharing and letting your decisions uh, and letting your decisions be impacted by? Who do you know that you could answer those questions for? 
Who are you giving support to? Who are you praying for? Who are you listening to? Who are you encouraging and who are you building up? The Christian life is not an individual life. It's a shared life. It's a poured out life. And this is why we make such a big deal about community groups. We don't see our group life as secondary or optional or something that we have to do because, but because it's just, we need to check the box. We need to have another midweek meeting. That's not what this is about. We, we see community groups as an essential thing because of statements like this in scripture, that if we're gonna draw near into Jesus, we are going to draw near to one another. We are going to allow ourselves to be built into something that's not just about us, but it's about others. And so we've got to see group life. We've got to see gathering around God's word. We've got to see gathering during the week and not just making, not, and not just a meeting that we attend, but life on life. We got to see this as an essential thing, something that we can't give up and we can't drift away from. And what does Peter do after Peter lays this foundation? He then uses it as a springboard to just start declaring who the people of God are and what they were created for and how they are to go about it. So he declares this, he says, he says, look, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. He says, once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. He's saying, this is who you are. Church, this is who you are. Church who's being built together, life on life. This is who you are. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. You are a nation. Notice the terms of community. This is an individual. This is a community. It's a people. It's a race. It's a nation for his own possession. Once you weren't a people, but now you are a people. Listen, if you ever struggle with knowing who you are, you just need to come back and read this passage to yourself over and over again, because this is who God says you are. This is your identity. If you are in Christ, then you are God's people. You are a part of God's people. You have received mercy. And then, and Peter uses to proclaim what our purpose is. Okay, so what do we, this is who we are now what? And he proclaims that the purpose of this spiritual house, because every building, every house serves a purpose. And the, and, and the community of believers is no different. If we are a house, we serve a purpose. And this is what he says our purpose is. He says that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We never have to wonder about what is, what is the thing that we're supposed to do as Christians. It's, it's, it's plain, it's written out for us. We are all called together to proclaim the excellencies of him who called us out of darkness and into light. We're to share the good news. We're to share the gospel. We are to put who God is on display. That's what we were created for, to tell of the one who saved us, who showed us mercy, the one who showed us love, the one who's called us out of darkness. He's saying, listen, you belong. You have a place, you have a people, and you have a purpose. And the reality is, is that as we come together, as we come together, as we become more interconnected, as we become more interdependent, as we are completely dependent on God and become more interdependent on one another, we put on a more beautiful display of who God is. C.S. Lewis puts it this way. C.S. Lewis, Christian author, says it this way concerning who we are together. 
and how we better put God on display through being a community. He wrote this, he shared this reflection after one of his friends, Charles, passed away. He says, in each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all of his facets. Now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Charles joke. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself now that Charles is away, I have less of Ronald. See, here's what I want you to see, Jubilee. I want you to see that Jesus is building us into a community and that he makes us builders of a community and that in this community, what C.S. Lewis is putting on display, in this community, together, collectively, we better put on display who God is. Are you being built in? Are you drawing close to others? Are you learning about how they have encountered God, what God is revealing to them through scripture and through their prayer time. Are you sharing that, what's happening in your life with others? Are you sharing your experiences and what you're learning? See, when I hear what God is doing in other people's life, when I hear of how God sustains someone through a difficult season, of how God heals someone who is sick, of how God moves powerfully in someone's life, who brings comfort to someone, when I hear other people testify of what God is doing in, the, in their life, it brings me into a fuller picture of who God is. It causes me to rejoice. It causes me to remember who he is and what he has done. We need one another. It's just the reality of it is we like it or not, believe it or not, it's just proven that we need one another. Who doesn't need someone? Who hasn't ever needed someone to sit with them when they are struggling in pain? Who hasn't needed someone to pray for them? Who hasn't needed someone to encourage them and build them up? I mean, if, you not, if you've not needed that, then it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And scripture's clear about this. Even our text today, it says, when they speak evil against you, when they're gossiping, when they're tearing you down, not if, it's when. Scripture says, when trouble comes. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. And we need, we need to be together when we go through that. That's why God, one of the reasons why God wants us to be built in. These Christ followers Peter is writing to are facing trouble. He's reminding them. He's reminding them that they're together, that they have one another, and that they have been built around a cornerstone. They have been built around one common denominator, and that's Jesus Christ, who is king, who faced trouble, who allowed himself to be subject to the world, but he overcame the world. And this is why community groups are so essential. I've said it and I'm gonna say it. We're gonna keep saying it. Community groups are essential. It's why we want every believer to have a group of believers that they are committed to getting around, that we are committed to sharing our life with and we're committed to learning about their life. We aren't interested in having more meetings. We're not wanting to get you in a group so that you have some balance in your life of Christian activities versus non-Christian activities. That's not what, that's not what community group is, is about. If community group is about a meeting we have to go to once a week, then we have lost the vision for what community group is about because it's about what we're reading here today. 
It's about life on life. It's about being built in and understanding that we need to be built in. I had heard one pastor say that small groups are not a weekly meeting. They're a group of people committed to one another that happen to have a weekly meeting. And we need to see group life through that lens. If we follow Jesus, he will build us into community. If you found yourself detaching, drifting along, losing the vision for why it's important, why it's important to be connected, interconnected, interdependent, why it's important. I wanna invite you back in. I don't want you to leave today without getting connected to a community group. It's that, it's that critical. In fact, there's information on the screen that's gonna help you know how to take that next step, how to be a part. And our, and our community groups are gonna, they're gonna be launching, kicking off in just a few weeks. In fact, we're gonna, we're gonna dive into a six-week series on mental and emotional health, and there's gonna be content that's developed and is only going to be found in our community groups. And I want you to be a part of that. I don't want you to miss that. And I know, listen, I know so for some of you, it's just about reconnecting. Some of you, this might be a brand new thing. And I just want you to know, listen, we know it's hard. We know it's messy. In fact, we do a lot of things because we know that it's hard to do something new, to do something out of the ordinary, to start a new routine. But we don't wanna give up on it. We wanna, we wanna enter into the difficulty because Jesus never gave up on the church. His disciples never gave up on gathering together, no matter the opposition. So I'll say it again, I don't want you to leave today without getting connected to a community group. And during this six-week series, you know, maybe you find yourself and you, you have a couple of friends, maybe they're not connected to a group and you're willing just to host a discussion. You can do that through this six-week series. You can become a discussion host. And so that's just another way that you can get plugged in and you can take that step today. All through this passage, Jesus is reminding us Peter is reminding us that we have been saved, that we, will, that we will receive honor, not because we're great, but because Jesus is great, right? He took us out of darkness. He brought us into his marvelous light. We have encountered truth, not because we earned it, but because he had mercy on us. So Peter is he's keeping us humble as we walk in this, as we lean into this. Humility is a massively important factor in all that we do together. We must stay humble. And we also have to understand this. Jesus has not called us to flee the world around us. He's not called us to separate. In fact, we get a sneak peek into a prayer at the end of Jesus's life. And he says, he prays to the father that he would be with us as we are sent into the world, as we go. And he knew, he knew he was sending us like sheep among wolves. He knew that we were gonna face trouble but he didn't want us to withdraw because of that, because it was gonna be hard, because it wasn't gonna be easy. He didn't want us to keep us from that. He wanted us to go into it so that we can put on display the love of God. How do we do that? How do we put that on display? He says it in this final verse, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak evil against you, or when they speak against you, sorry, as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. This is the how. 
what, how do we do this? How do we, how do we go into the world? How do we reach people? We conduct ourselves, not in a legal, not in a way like, okay, we got to obey God. He's going to slap our wrists. Not in a, not in a way that's like, we're, we're obligated to do this. No, because we have received mercy, because we have been loved, because we've been shown compassion. Therefore we can go and we can show others love. We can serve others. We can give out without getting anything in return because we've received from our father in heaven. And so we can conduct ourselves in a way that doesn't conform to the world. So we just blend in and look like everyone else. We don't have to pull away. No, no, no. He says, conduct yourselves in an honorable way and do good, do good. So that when they say, how can you believe? How can you believe that Jesus is the way, the truth? How can you say this, make this exclusive statement? How can, when they, when they hear about Christianity, when they have those thoughts, this is what it's supposed to happen. They are supposed to see Christians and immediately be conflicted. So when they see us, they say, I can't believe someone would think that way. Oh, man, but my neighbor says he's a Christian. He says he's a Christ follower. And I wouldn't have gotten through that season last year when my wife was diagnosed with cancer. Like I never would have gotten through that season without his support. Man, I, 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 I would have never survived uh, had they not provided for us and helped us when I got injured on the job and I couldn't work. I, I, I see them, I see how they fostered, I've seen how they've adopted, I've seen how they've brought people into their home and, and it doesn't seem to matter whether they believe in Jesus or not. It seems like they're, they're, they're reaching out and bringing people in. And see, they're supposed to see our good deeds and be conflicted. And he's saying, why? Because this is what's gonna happen when they see our good deeds. The hope is that they might glorify God on the day of visitation. He's saying that they might themselves soften their hearts and open their door to to the idea of like, who is Jesus? And maybe I should get around Jesus. Maybe I should learn about Jesus and lean into who Jesus is. As hearts are open toward the gospel, we get the opportunity to say, come on, come on, follow me, come get built in. God has a purpose. He has a plan for your life. And I can't wait for you to find out what that is. So let's take this season church to recalibrate. Let's remember who we are. Let's remember what we were created for. Let's live this life out, putting our good deeds on display so that others might come to believe. Let's lean into being interconnected and interdependent and built into this spiritual house that God is building. As we draw near to Him, may we draw near to others.